Welcome again to True Religion, a conversation about faith, culture, and our community. And you might say, why true religion? And James 1.27 says the true religion, the, the religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep ourselves from being polluted from the world. It means helping your neighbors and at the same time uh, walk in holiness. And having this conversation on how faith affects our politics, our culture, our communities, it is important. So today we are having a very special guest. It's a dear friend of mine and one of our uh, partner organizations. As you all know, True Religion is uh, a program of the National Hispanic Pastors Alliance. And today we have Travis Weaver. He is the Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs and a person that I admire, uh, that I consider one of my mentors and, and a friend. So Travis... Uh, hello, and how are you? I'm very well. Uh, thanks for having me on, and, and thank you for that very warm introduction. No, Travis, uh, but you are a blessing to our organization, FRC, Family Research Council. Uh, it's a great partner, um, and, and we admire the work that, that you guys do. And, and so before we start with, with our conversation, um, I, I was impressed when I heard who you are. So can you share with us who is Travis? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the Lord has um, called me uh, to what I'm doing now over um, the path to, to this, the place he's called me to now has taken a number of twists and turns, you know. And um, and so I, in my former life, I um, went to the U.S. Naval Academy and uh, after graduating there was a Navy pilot flying um, E-6s, the E-6 Tacomo in the Navy out of uh, Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Unbelievable. And, um, you know, so so I was a Navy guy, but flying out of an Air Force Base in the middle of the country where there's no water. There was no ocean around us. I thought it was a joke when they sent me to fly the E-6 <laughs> there. So I served in the Navy. And then um, after getting out and, and kind of going through several different roles, I went to law school, practiced law for a few years, and then came to Family Research Council um, in 2014. Amen, amen. And in the Family Research Council, I, uh, we are Napa. We we believe that we are in a, in a cultural war, a war, a war against our faith, uh, where we are defending our values, we're defending our families. Uh, and and the Family Research Council is one of the the organizations at the forefront of, of this battle, in my opinion. So, can you share with us what is uh, the Family Research Council? Uh, what is the kind of work that you guys do? I, I know I love you said your life, family, and religious liberty is the epicenter of your work. Uh, so can you share with us a little bit and your role at the Family Research Council? Yeah, sure. So let me cover just the organization a little bit first. We're actually in our 40th year this year. We were founded in 1983 in Washington, D.C. as really a presence in uh, the nation's capital uh, to, to defend the family and, um, and defend life in 1983. And really, you could think of it as almost a watchman on the wall. The, you know, the place we were assigned to was Washington, D.C. In, in 1983. And so we've been doing that for 40 years. And the, um, the, you know, the issues we have faced over those years have changed. Uh, but 
there's, you know, just like in 1983, there's still an assault on the family and the family still needs to be defended. And so we're here still doing that. And uh, we desire to embrace that role going ahead into the future. So we are a Christian organization, uh, explicitly Christian organization. And our our mission is to um, serve in the kingdom of God by advancing faith, family, and freedom in public policy and culture from a biblical worldview. Um, And and we desire to see um, families flourish, uh, religious liberty thrive and life protected in, in, in policy and in culture throughout America. And so that's a little bit about the organization uh, my role specifically here as vice president of policy and government affairs is to oversee our work reaching out to government officials. This includes members of Congress, includes the executive branch, the federal government, includes state officials, state lawmakers. Um, it also includes policy research. So we understand the issues. We, we figure out how should a Christian be thinking about them. Uh, what does the science say truly, and, and what is the truth of a matter? Because God uh, desires uh, for the truth to be proclaimed, and so we want to understand and articulate, write about the truth of a variety of issues concerning life, family, religious freedom. And uh, the third lane, if I could use that word in the department, third element is biblical worldview work. And so we want to articulate a biblical worldview on these matters and to explain to Christians, to help them see how their faith and the Word and the Bible um, uh, has what it has to say, how it views these matters, what it has to say about life, about family, about all these issues we're facing in the culture today, and sexuality, and religious freedom. So, so that's my department, and the rest of the organization does a number of other things: communications work, work with pastors, outreach, um, and, and different things. But um, that's a bit about us. I. I, I'm, I'm, I've been uh, impressed will be the word by seeing how deeply rooted uh, the work of, of you guys between legislation and the word. There is a correlation between the two of them. Sometimes pastors uh, said, you know, that's politics. The, the word of God doesn't have to do with, with government or with the community. And, the, and we only call to preach the gospel within the four walls of the church and to evangelize. But mm-hmm. actually there is a call for the church and for us as Christians to speak to power and to government. And, and you guys uh, uh, have been able to contextualize this in a very effective way. Um, so you have the world, the worldview, the biblical worldview department, right? So yeah. you produce material for that. Yes, sir. Yeah, we do that. And, and, um, we, we want to first see what our what the Bible and our faith says about the issue, and then we want to explain it in the most effective and helpful way possible. So sometimes this is like, you know, five things you should know about life in the womb and, and the word, but it also means exploring at a deeper level, you know, detailed understanding. And we have this in our Biblical Worldview series that's available on on the website of our Center for Biblical Worldview, which handles all this work in my department. Um, but Carlos, I just, you know, just thinking about this, I think it's so important for us as believers to say, to go back to what is what is God's heart for 
the issues we're facing for those around us, for the communities around us, really our nation. What is the heart of Jesus communicating and feeling for those around us, the people around us and the situations we find ourselves in, which are connected to people? Because if if we're in a situation of rampant crime, people are affected. It's not an abstract matter disconnected from people. And I believe that God, he has a view on these things. His heart feels them more deeply than ours ever could. And so if his heart feels the the way these issues impact people, and we as believers know that we're walking a life becoming more like God, it's inescapable for us to say, well, I should be feeling a burden for what is going on, including in government, because government is has a part to play in this. I should be feeling that and then determining what do I do about it? What's the outcome? What do I, my prayers leading to an outcome? So I just want to address that because I think it's important that we as believers see these things are all connected. And, um, you know, there's not one that's disconnected in God's, uh, from God's kingdom and the purposes of his kingdom and what he wants to do in his kingdom. Amen. I I, I travel across the country and, you know, our, our job is to reach out to the Hispanic churches. And you have a mixed group of, of churches, pastors from 21 different countries, uh, three, four generations, one generation, one that just came over. Um, and you have all different type of opinions uh, about these issues when it comes to this. Uh, I think the sentiment within the Hispanic community, and now that we're we're talking about this, right? Um, and, and because I, the, the Latino communities in this 2024, 2023, 2025, is kind of for the taken. Whoever can talk into the community can grab their heart and their and their their their, their movement, in my opinion. Um, and, and so the church complains a lot, and I hear from pastors because they said, you know. Sometimes we enforce so much uh, the, the rules of the gospel, right? Then we forget, we forget the grace and the mercy. And, and like you said, we need to see how Jesus feels, see from God's perspective in order to, de- to, to have a balanced approach to all these issues. So, you know, in, in Napa, you know, we say we, we have, um, we stand for our values, right? So, and, and then our values starts with the character of God. Love, compassion, mercy, uh, giving, uh, sacrifice—all uh, before we even get to the to to the to the topics that we are defending in this in this moment in our culture. But I want I want to I want to ask you you uh, and 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 give a kind of a, a push to to FRC with the his within the Hispanic um, movement because you guys have all these products in Spanish. Yes. Right. So so a pastor that comes to the United States or a pastor that is here and wants to define their theology and, and know what the, the, the biblical worldview before he walks into any issue can actually go to the website and download all this material. Yes, sir. Yeah, we, we have um, some of our work in Spanish. Some is just in English. But um, the website is frc.org. And uh, folks can find all the work there. Uh, the Spanish work is in certain spots, and there is a world, a biblical worldview Spanish page with uh, Spanish resources at uh, frc.org 
slash worldview dash Espanol. Uh, but Carlos, we can, you know, make sure you have the links to distribute that and we can uh, share that with any folks who need it. Yes. And we have distributed them around the country as we go uh, with our pastors. Uh, Travis, I have I have a question for you. Uh, what are the issues that we should be concerned coming up for the church, for the family, for our future, as you have a pulse of, of what's going on in the country? You know, sometimes we are in a bubble where the church and Sunday morning and Wednesday night are our life. And our friends, they all think like us. So we don't hear much what's going on in the world until it affects us as our schools. It affects our culture. It redefines marriage. It changed our job and work environment. I was thinking about it, right? So how, how the definition of marriage and family has changed and gender has changed. So... Uh, and not being political, NAPA is a non-political organization, but when Clinton was in the presidency, it was don't ask, don't tell. I remember that was the first shift on the culture, you know, allowing uh, the definition of, of, of gender to say that to be candid, uh, to, to be imposed in certain ways. And then when Obama came into government, I, be- I remember he walked into the government and, and I'm just, I was thinking last night, I'm going to try not to be political, but being factual here. Uh, he walked into the presidency supporting the, the, the traditional marriage between a man and a woman. And two years into the presidency, he said that he has changed his mind. And then that now everybody was okay getting married with anybody. And then now they're pushing the, change in, the gender change in our little kids. So... Yeah. And, and, and by the time we find out, it's too late. The, yeah. the laws and the policies are already in place, and we didn't even know that they were coming. So so what should, as, as a pastors, what should we do, and what are the issues that we should be concerned about our religious liberty as our families and life? Yeah, no, it's a great question. There's so much in there. You know, just to address it, taking your last, you know, the last portion of your question there with regard to pastors, I mean, we know that pastors have a charge to care for their flock, those under their care. And we know that those under their care, Americans, people living in America, are facing a variety of challenges. Christians are facing a variety of challenges in all these areas. So it's incumbent on pastors to understand enough to know how to protect their flock. Okay, so what is going on? What are the threats? I believe we could really examine these in um, most concisely by observing that there is a spiritual attack on families uh, and individuals in America and our spiritual enemy. We know from Ephesians 6, we war not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual foes. Our spiritual foe has some areas that he is attacking right now, and he is attacking the image of the human being created in the image of God. Um, He's seeking to kill and destroy we know he's been killing and destroying life in the womb. And uh, this is very clear uh, through abortion, you know, in the realm of abortion. He's seeking to plant lies in the minds of women that they are um, unsupported and uncared for and outcast if they're facing an unplanned pregnancy. So those women need to be communicated to with the support, love, and care of Christ. The enemy, though, is seeking to destroy the image of God by convincing, planting lies in the minds of people who feel uh, attraction to want to be identify as the opposite sex to tr- 
to then fully try to live that way, the whole transgender issue. This is a lie because if the enemy could get them to embrace this, he's destroying the image of God and he's really attacking a God and trying to cause pain to God by attacking his creation. The men created, men and women created in his image. And so this not only is an assault on the individual, it's an attack on the family as the enemy seeks to pit parents against children, undermine parental rights. We see parental rights um, being undermined all over by stay, some states passing laws that will diminish the authority of parents to know about um, school and other government officials uh, encouraging the children to identify as the opposite biological sex. And, um, and there's attempts to avoid the parental opt-out um, abilities of parents in, in, with their children in public schools. So there are attacks on the link between parents and children, the authority of parents over their children, and um, in addition to attacks on the identity of human beings themselves. In addition to these, there are attacks on our freedom. We know that uh, there are attacks on religious freedom. We've seen these in culture. There's also, a, in the spiritual realm, an attack on, um, th there's an attempt to intimidate Christians and others from defending and living out their faith publicly. Um, when and, and, and sometimes mass media um, takes part in this and they, uh, you know, want to, marginalize Christians from the public square by communicating that what they believe is really some sort of minority outcast of you or hate speech or or constitutes hate in some vague term. These are all spiritual assaults. So pastors need to be cognizant of this and know what uh, opposition their people are facing. Now, the people are facing, you know, more specific challenges depending on their place of work and their context. We know yes. those employed in, it depends on what state you're in, depends if you're working for the federal government or other levels of government. You know, some states, the more politically conservative states are facing fewer challenges. We're seeing the bigger assaults in New York, California, Michigan, actually as well. Michigan's a bit more of a border, uh, uh, politically divided state. But, you know, uh, pastors should be aware that people in public schools, or teachers and Christians employed there are likely facing challenges. They may be facing pressure to insert pronouns, their preferred mm -hmm. pronouns on a, a, an email um, signature block. And this is all an attempt to coerce, right? Because Christians know that God created us male and female. We don't need to put pronouns as a, an identity marker uh, that's inconsistent with a biblical worldview, but yes. but um, there's a lot of pressure to do this now. And so, Carlos, we're facing assaults in all these areas. And on top of this, um, you know, th there is pressure within the realms of big business and in, in the corporate world, the media, arts, entertainment world, um, big tech. You know, th these areas are increasingly moving against uh, the Christian positions that are Christian, biblical, and, and historically Christian. And so pastors need to be aware of all this because the one thing that we all need to do is prepare for difficulty as things are more hostile in the culture around us. We just need to strengthen our spiritual muscles. As Ephesians 6 talks about prepare to stand. I'm going to use the words of, of Pastor Andrew Brunson's uh, program, his curriculum, his training series where Christians need to prepare to stand against difficulty. 
uh, I know this is a lot, but there's a lot here in your question and I could go into further detail, but really we're facing opposition to the Christian faith across a number of areas. And it might not impact everyone yet, but we need to be aware of these trends to prepare for this and to help those around us prepare when they're facing difficulty. And of course, we need to bathe all of this in prayer. And, and you know, all these attacks, spiritual attack, cultural, educational, um, business-wise, you know, in the financial world, I have heard of many Christian institutions that have been denied financial services by these big uh, banks just because their message is considered a hate, hate, hate um, message. And yeah. we actually just preaching the gospel. So yeah. sooner or later, it's going to come knocking on our doors. Because even though they attacking gender definition from the biblical perspective, what they're actually doing is telling us you can't preach the gospel as is. Uh, and so it's, it's a threat to our religious to our religious liberties. It really is, you know, and I think um, even Christians who've not yet personally been impacted by it, we need to think through what would I say if I am confronted with this, with a boss who wants me to put my preferred pronouns on my signature block? What would I say if I'm asked to refer to a colleague or a student by uh, their opposite pronouns? or the opposite name. And, you know, and, and some of these things are dealt with a little differently. It's some of these are matters of conscience. Some are matters of Christian teaching, but we need to be preparing for them. Right. And we need to be thinking ahead uh, because as you say, these challenges are, are pervading all of society. And, and, and really it's, it's, you know, it's important for pastors to, to prepare their people for these challenges and not, um, we can't wish them away. Like we can't just mm -hmm. wish they're not occurring mm -hmm. and sort of act like they're not. Because one day they're going, they're going to come for us. The, the evidence is there. We need to pray for a clarity of our own hearts and minds in faithfully, objectively confronting the truth. We can't ignore the truth of what we're facing, the challenges that are coming. We need to just say, Lord, help me navigate this truth. I mean, this is we see this in the gospel. Jesus came knowing what was going to happen to him. He lived his life faithfully ministering, knowing he was going to go to the cross. So he didn't, he, now he prayed in the garden, Father, if it is possible, this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. But mm -hmm. he walked through that, pouring out his heart to the Lord, but not avoiding the calling on his life. And so likewise, as fathers of Christ, we need to faithfully look to God for help in navigating the calling on all of our lives. And for some of us that may face ostracism from friends and family, slander in a community, people calling us names, losing a job, difficulty. So we just need to be prepared for that. And, you know, to go back to an earlier point, realize this is the society we're in and we need to speak out to link arms with fellow believers across communities, the Hispanic community, crossing arms into the non-Hispanic community, vice versa, because it's a matter of all faithful believers in the Bible being affected by this. I think it's understanding that our faith is what unites us in the blood of Christ, uh, and that nothing can divide us, race or color or language, but we actually have a common denominator. But you know what? I think that part of this process, this 
And this, this, this challenge that we find ourselves today, uh, I have to own as a church and as a pastor, I have to take responsibility in some part for being here today. You know, uh, I think the church is in, in certain manner has lost credibility. Uh, we have tried to look so much like the world that we actually started acting like the world. And some of our religious leader, leaders actually have, have um, desecrated our faith by their testimony. And so, and so and somehow the church, and, and I said, you know, we are in Washington, D.C., and so I'm a pastor, but in some places, uh, the name of a pastor is not respected. Mm -hmm. So I have to use my degree or my, my title uh, because uh, we have bad reputation. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and one question that I want to ask you is, yes, we're defending our faith. Uh, we are defending our values. We're standing firm. And, and FRC is, uh, in my community, uh, how, I deal with poverty. You know, we, my community is an immigrant community. We're 62 million in the United States. Uh, we, uh, uh, I think, is uh, we're having three times more kids than any other community. Uh, is growing uh, um, our labor, we are labor force. You know, we work in service, we work in restaurants and in transportation. Um, and so our income is low. So realistically, uh, we face challenges that comes with lack of education, uh, poverty, um, uh, and produces other issues, divorce, crime, da -da 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 -da. so how can we bring um, policy from the church perspective to benefit communities like ours. How can we, yes, we stand for our values, we go and talk, but also how can we as a church and as an organizations like yours and ours uh, can influence policy to, to serve the poor, to give them the opportunity to move to the next level? Clear example, uh, in my opinion, the pro-life movement. We were, it seems like we were anti-abortion, but we didn't have, we had not created the safety godly nets, safe nets for for the next steps. So we, yes, we we passed Roe versus Wave, you know, we won that battle, but now what? What's being pro-life as a church? You know, for us, it's from the womb to the tomb um, and giving the people the opportunity to get God's calling and purpose for their lives. But, you know, we're dealing with unemployment, we're dealing with poverty. How can we as pastors, or what do you think, what's your take on this? You got have more experience than I do. Uh, on on influencing policy, or should we influence policy for these in these areas? Yeah, I know. I, I believe I believe we should because, like I was saying earlier, if we believe that um, the Lord cares and feels deeply for suffering people, that means all people, and for that means for all the reasons that they might be suffering, and so that does not exclude any one or any area from the uh, oversight of the scriptures, the oversight of the heart of God and the kingdom of God in, in bringing blessing, flourishing, and prosperity to people, right? I mean, we look, think about yes. the kingdom of God. Jesus came, announced the kingdom of God was upon you. And what, what did he do? He heals and he and he, um, he, he uh, expelled demons from people, bringing them peace, mm -hmm. flourishing. I mean, these, these demons were oppressing people. Jesus made changes in that area. People had illnesses. Jesus made changes in that area. So we know 
It's God's desire to bring blessing to people. Um, you know, we live in modern America is a, a, a um, it's, it's still a government in which the people have a voice. So we need to exercise our voice for the flourishing yes. of that society. And so with regard to this area, Carlos, you know, just what comes to mind is just the concepts of, of, of like, um, I'm just trying to put this in words that are coming to mind, but like just the idea that, that fairness, you know, when you go to work for a certain pay, you're going to be, you're going to be making that pay and, and you're earning your, your pay. You're not, you know, being undercut by there's not like that's just the way the system is built it's it's orderly um there's not people looking to get something for free through other ways and we think about the breakdown of order we see in some places around the country with crime with disorder on the streets people just living on the streets and and this is there will be people who need our help because they do not have a home so there will always be these situations, but what the government says is here is a good policy that has a lot to say about this. And you have governments of some cities now just saying, uh, you know, we think it's good that people are living on the streets and doing drugs in our cities. They're going to need to be supported by someone and they need food, clothing and shelter, yet they're not working. There's there's a unfairness in the burdens of who's bearing this in society. So all people deserve the dignity of the opportunity to go and work, even though some are in jobs that are not paying as much as others. And so I just think that's the Lord's heart for a a society which honors all. It's predictable. It's orderly. We know that there are opportunities to go and work Work is biblical. I mean, work yes. is in the book of Genesis and make money. And then there will be times where the church, because we're in a fallen world, the church will need to step in to care for people who need support, financial or housing support to get them through a time. But the goal is always to have people in a place to work, to support themselves, but ultimately to bless others. I mean, our goal is not just to accrue, to accrue and to have 10 homes, the goal is as believers, the hardest to bless others. So we want to earn in order to bless. And uh, just like we draw from the Lord in his refreshing to bless others in prayer in our personal lives, we don't just seek to draw from the Lord and then keep it in. The Lord, the Bible speaks a lot about blessing others. So, so I believe this idea of work in society is one in which we should be seeking to work, to bring in, but to bless others with the church as the true safety net for the body of believers who need support through tough times or difficulty financially, financially or otherwise. I, I, and I think that, you know, they're shifting on, 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 on the economy is shifting to more technologically oriented. You walk into uh, grocery stores and I, I just read an article where there's a grocery store where they don't have any employees anymore, but you, the, the 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 client walks with the little gun and, and does the pricing and pays and everything, and you see it on all the stores. So there is going to be a shift on labor force over the next few years. Uh, in Napa, we believe that you know we have to sit on tables where we where the, the future is being defined, and the the church has a voice on it, especially in my community, which 
works on those areas. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, 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 we have tried as much as we can to, to, to have a voice, at least to, to, to be able to speak out or to be present, uh, because most of the people that make these decisions actually don't have a clue of who we are or have mm-hmm. never struggled like a person. You know, sometimes $300 in the table of a poor person means a rent, electricity, and water. Uh, for somebody else that makes a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, it's just a shirt. Uh, so, so having that balance, I think we are in a pivotal moment where the church needs to get more engaged on that. I, I, I believe that yes, we need a new kind of a reformation, but it's a call to holiness. Mm. We're looking too much like the world, and we're mm. trying to yeah. fight our battles on our own strength, not realizing that the God is not going to give us the victory. If we ourselves cannot walk in holiness, mm-hmm. so I see. So we we are in a, in a transition period in my in my my mind, full of opportunities for us as a church. Um, um, time went fly went by. It's already almost the end of the program, and and we're not even uh, touching the main issues here. Uh, Travis, uh, any last word for us? Uh, especially as a Hispanic community in the United States, and as Christians, as you know, this program is in English, so it goes all over the country. Uh, uh, hopefully, this won't be the last time you come and 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 be with us, so we can actually be up to date in, in issues that, that are going on. But any last words for us? Yeah, I, I just wanted to reiterate and agree with your point about holiness as we grow more into the likeness of Christ and our Lord. I, I think this is so central to revival. And to where we need to go. And along with that, I just want to say on behalf of Family Research Council and our president, Tony Perkins, myself and others here, uh, we we want to say to the Hispanic community in the United States, uh, Hispanic believers in the United States, we welcome you to the work that God is calling us to. Uh, We welcome you to the role of Christians in the United States who who are looking out as watchmen on the walls of our nation and proclaiming the things of Christ, seeking to bring God's heart to the nation. We welcome you to join arms with us as the Lord unites his church and, and perfects his church in these times uh, in the United States and really for the blessing of our country and the world. And so um, I just want to say we welcome you. We're, we have challenges ahead, but we're excited to partner in this work with you. And Carlos, it's just great to be on here with you. Travis, thank you for being here. And I think on behalf of us, this is home, you know, so we are, this is home. So we love this country and, and this is home. We're, this is home for us and, and, and we're here for the battle and to, to preach the gospel and to be a blessing, not just to take, but to give to give back Amen. and said said so thank you travis and and on behalf of the national hispanic pastors alliance uh, we thank you for being with us in true religion and we look forward to seeing you next time god bless thank you thank you travis 